Parts of this podcast were broadcasted live on KCSU Fort Collins, 90.5 FM. Hey, welcome. This is Fact and Fiction. I'm Natalie. This podcast brings you the best information and fun tidbits about a certain person's life. Today, we are talking about Cleopatra. Like Henry, Elizabeth, or William for European dynasties, Cleopatra was a common name for the Ptolemy dynasty. Today, we're talking about the last, the famous, Cleopatra VII. So Cleopatra was born around 69 BC to King Ptolemy XII, and it's thought that her mother was Cleopatra V Tryphaena, who was her father's sister, because that's how, at this point in time, for this dynasty at least, that is how their marriages kind of went, is that they kind of tended to marry their siblings. Just don't look up the Ptolemy line of their like family line because it's like a column. It it's like it doesn't it's not a tree, it's a column. Let's let's be clear, it's a column. It goes straight up and down and it's pretty creepy. But that was then. This is now. Yeah, that those are presumably her parents. Well we know Ptolemy was her father, but it's kind of uncertain who her mother was. And that's who it's thought to be. And she had four possibly five siblings she definitely had four she had two brothers and two sisters like i said before there's the two ptolemies and then there's arsenal and there's berenice who are definitely her siblings and it's possible that she had a half sibling also named cleopatra so possible possible not definite but kind of a basic overview of family structure there so again gonna see that whole sibling kind of marriage it was a way for them to kind of make sure power stayed in the family versus going outward but it's still kind of strange so just bear that in mind when I'm talking about things it's kind of basic overview of that and just in the interest of citing my sources of where I'm getting most of this information from. A lot of this is from several different articles about Cleopatra on history.com and then also a book called Cleopatra, A Life by Stacey Schiff. So that is where my, my information is coming from in the interest of citing my sources. Not a whole lot known about her young young childhood life, but it is known that she was highly, highly intelligent. She was very educated in languages, mathematics, philosophy, and she was supposedly a very, very charming and excellent speaker. In fact, that is thought sometimes to be one of her main best assets because everyone always thinks of her as being beautiful and all that stuff. But it's also suggested that maybe, you know, she was more average looking and it's just because she was so charming that she was able to win people over that way and when you win people over like that tends to be kind of a reflection on you and then you become thought more attractive because of it so that charm and intelligence and the way she's able to speak and that is one of the things that is thought to have really contributed to this image of her as being so very attractive So she grew up with all these siblings, presumably had about as normal of a life as one can have, goes through life and everything. And then in 51 BC, her father, Ptolemy XII, died, leaving the throne of Egypt to her. And she was 18 at the time. And her 
younger brother who was 10, who is known as Ptolemy the 13th. It is presumed that these two married as was customary for their dynasty. Obviously, as I said before, it's a column. It goes straight down. It's not a tree. It's a family column. So married. Often these were more ceremonial marriages, again, just to keep the power consolidated and within their family, not because they're like attracted to each other or anything, just because that's just how things were done in this dynasty. Yeah. And these two, they rule together for a while and relative comfort of ruling together. I mean, Egypt had a lot of struggles over these first few years of their reign, including bad economy, floods, famine, all sorts of issues for the kingdom of Egypt during this time. And there were also political turmoil started to happen because within a few years of assuming power, difficulties cropped up between Cleopatra and Ptolemy, so they started to fight and it's kind of led to a civil war of sorts between these two siblings here in Egypt because things started out fine and then they they don't end fine because that's another characteristic of this dynasty is that they don't get along very well with each other. Yeah, these people really don't get along well with each other at all. And then eventually Cleopatra has to flee to Syria to, in order to assemble an army to defeat her brother in order to have the throne of Egypt merely for herself without having to share it with him. So she had fled to Syria to assemble an army. And around this time, she also went to visit Rome and met with Caesar, which is very the very famous story of her being wrapped up in that rug, which may or may not have have happened as we tend to think of it. Some say it was a linen sack, but either way, in some form or another of a linen thing, sack or carpet or whatever it was. Cleopatra is smuggled into Caesar's quarters in order to be able to meet with him because Caesar also had problems with Ptolemy during this time, Julius Caesar, FYI. I know there have been several different Caesars throughout history, but it is Julius Caesar. I should clarify that just so we're clear. She's like, hey, you know, we can help each other out. I mean, we both are kind of against my brother, so let's let's do this. It, it works out well. And they march over into Egypt and, well, long story short, Cleopatra is successful and Ptolemy is killed. And this is the first in a line of siblings that she does not really get along with because, as we'll see, she has problems with... Another, her other brother, and then major problems with one of her sisters. Just did not get along with that sister. Also factoring into this whole civil war in Egypt thing is the fact that there was also a civil war going on with Julius Caesar and Pompey over in Rome. And part of the reason why Caesar went to Egypt was also because Pompey sought refuge in Egypt, but on orders of actually Ptolemy, Pompey was then killed as well. 
But that's kind of why Julius Caesar was like, yeah, let's go over to Egypt to go after this guy. And Cleopatra is successful and is now the ruler of Egypt. And she has now met Caesar, who is obviously very important as when you think about Cleopatra. I mean, a lot of people do think about Mark Antony and Cleopatra, but Julius Caesar was her earlier romantic involvement with leader of of Rome. Julius Caesar was the first one there. And Caesar and Cleopatra defeated Ptolemy's forces at the Battle of the Nile, and Cleopatra ascended to the throne. She was given the throne, and then Ptolemy was killed. That was in 48 BC, about 48, 47 BC. Cleopatra and Julius Caesar by now we're in a romantic kind of relationship with each other. And she bore him a son named Caesaron in 47 BC. But Caesar never acknowledged that the child was his child. He was like, uh... And that's basically how that went. That's how I like to imagine that went. I imagine Cleopatra bringing a little baby to him and be like, look at your son. And then Caesar's just like, uh, but didn't acknowledge the boy was his offspring. But it, it was, it was, it's, it's a debate about whether or not he was the father, but probably he was probably the father of the child in any case. And then again, because the Egyptian royal family, as I mentioned earlier, had this habit of marrying their siblings in order to secure power for the throne, even though it never actually seems to work out very well, because as much as this marrying the siblings thing is a thing they do, killing the same siblings is also a thing that happens a lot. So maybe not the best of ideas, but Cleopatra, after this whole war is over and the first of her brothers named Ptolemy are dead, she marries the other younger brother, also named Ptolemy, who was Ptolemy the 14th. Maybe we just, maybe we shouldn't marry, marry him. Maybe that's a bad idea. So they were married. And I think she had a little bit more control over what he did versus what her first, the first Ptolemy brother that was in charge did because the younger Ptolemy probably saw what happened to the other Ptolemy. And I was like, I'm going to be quiet now. I'm just going to let her take care of that and also he was probably like 12 so you know there's there's that as well so very creepy when you think about it but try not to think about it too much however eventually it is believed that cleopatra did away with this other with ptolemy the 14th in order to make her son her co-ruler because they always needed a kind of a co-ruler was kind of an always a thing that was needed because later on ptolemy the 14th dies spoiler shocker he dies too and it's believed that she had something to do with it in order to make her son her co-ruler not in a creepy way just co-ruler because probably again probably has more control over the son as well so yeah that's fun skip ahead a little bit cleopatra and caesar are together but caesar has stuff he has to do in rome and he's like oh cleopatra i've got stuff i gotta do in rome so i have to go back there and she's like oh oh i'll come with you so she goes with him back to rome and stays with him there for a while until he is assassinated in 44 bc shocker so he dies everyone dies he dies as well and then following his death 
she does return to Egypt in 44 BC. I just wonder like how that went because she's supposed to be ruling Egypt and she like fought a war in order to rule Egypt and then she just follows him back to Rome. And that was the end of the relationship between Caesar and Cleopatra. And now that's done. That part of her life is closed. So that was, what, about four four years or so? I mean, that's not an insignificant relationship to have with someone during that time. From here on out, it's basically Mark Antony and Cleopatra show. Yeah, stick around for that. It's going to be super duper fun. I am, I'm really excited. That sounded sarcastic. I didn't mean it to sound that sarcastic. I'm really excited about this. No more Julius Caesar. He got stabbed quite a lot by other people. Yeah. And now we're moving on to Mark Antony, who is arguably the more famous, well, the more well-known as being with Cleopatra than Julius Caesar is, because I'd say Julius Caesar, like, is Julius Caesar more famous? I'd say Julius Caesar is more famous overall, but in terms of in relation to Cleopatra, I'd say Mark Antony is the more famous because of the play by Shakespeare. And going to give a little bit of a background on Mark Antony, because it's kind of important for understanding his relationship with Cleopatra, because a lot of this background directly influences how he and Cleopatra are going to interact with each other. Mark Antony was part of the second triumvirate that ruled Rome following the death of Caesar. Caesar was part of the first triumvirate initially, and Antony is part of the second. And he has been married several times to several different women. But what is most important is that at the time that he meets Cleopatra, he is married to a woman named Octavia, who is of very much significance because she is the sister of Mark Antony's main rival, who is named Octavian, who will later be known as Augustus Caesar. Trying not to be too confusing with that, but basically what you need to know is that Mark Antony and Octavian slash Augustus Caesar are in this like rivalry. They're both part of the second triumvirate, but they're like, oh, oh, they're, they don't get along very well. Initially, they're trying to get along better, so Mark Antony marries his sister named Octavia. And then that doesn't go well after meeting Cleopatra. None of this goes well after after that. So just to bear that in mind, that that's what's going on over there. That's what's going on with Mark Antony is that he is married to Octavia at the time he meets Cleopatra. In 41 BC, like three years after Caesar's death, Mark Antony sends for Cleopatra to have her answer some questions about Caesar, basically, answers some questions about the nature of their relationship and all that. And Cleopatra's like, okay, but I'm going to make sure I'm like really dramatic while entering to make the best impression possible. So she, this is also kind of a famous entrance, though less famous than the carpet thing, I think. I don't, I don't know what level fame these things are. I think this is, I mean, this is pretty cool, pretty cool of an entrance. I'll say that much. So basically what she does is she... She's going to Rome for this, and she she's going to Tarsus, Tarsus for this. And it's said that she arrived on this golden barge, golden barge, with purple sails and oars of silver and all these, like, servant boys, like, fanning her, and she just looks beautiful and, like, smells amazing, and she's, she's amazing, and she was trying to look like the goddess Aphrodite, basically, when she was doing this, so... She's like making this big, big entrance. Also a famous entrance that is depicted in the 
Shakespeare play Antony and Cleopatra changed a little bit, but overall that's the myth about how she kind of arrived there. Grand entrance, and Antony supposedly looked at her and was like, oh, oh, she's so pretty, and uh, she's amazing, and then they fell in love while he was still married <laughs> to Octavia. Remember that. Remember that. I say remember that because it's very important to partially why Octavian doesn't like him so much because he kind of ditched his sister so he could kind of you could you could that's understandable why you wouldn't like that Antony and Cleopatra get along very well with each other and they begin a relationship and eventually this relationship results in three children including twins named Alexander Helios and Cleopatra Selene so named after the sun and the moon god and goddess there so that's kind of the beginning of this whole Mark Antony and Cleopatra thing. Caesar on this barge and is like, oh my god, she's so beautiful. I'm, I love her already. That's supposedly how it happened. Antony, as I mentioned before, he and Octavian were in this battle for control over Rome. A battle that's not exactly helped by the fact that, you know, Mark Antony was married to Octavian's sister, Octavia, and then he meets and falls in love with Cleopatra, and then he's like running off Cleopatra, so that can't have helped anything. They were both in the second triumvirate, but that didn't really... These triumvirates never seemed to work out very well. And Antony, who was mainly in control of Rome's eastern area and didn't enjoy the triumvirate, <laughs> and Cleopatra, so he loved Cleopatra. I'm assuming he loved Cleopatra. He se they seemed to have loved each other, but Cleopatra also provided a way for financial and military support in his bid to control the entirety of the Roman Empire, not just his third of the Roman Empire that he has right now. So it is kind of beneficial to him to be with her, but I also, I like to think that he loved her. <laughs> I like to believe that. So she was a nice way to gain additional financial military support for this conquest of the entire empire. And Cleopatra had her own motivations in addition to this because she wanted the return of the eastern part of Egypt's empire, which presumably were now under Roman control. So, you know, this is just a mutually beneficial relationship for everyone, for everyone, which, I mean, it's probably fairly decent thing to have a mutually beneficial relationship. In that way, they're kind of like teamed up together against Octavian because neither one of them seemed to like Octavian. In the year 34 BC, Antony and Cleopatra go back to Alexandria, which is, I believe it was the capital of Egypt at this time. So they go back to Alexandria because that's where the royal palace is. And they come in in like all this pomp and circumstance and just being like, oh, look at us. And crowds swarmed to catch a glimpse of them as they were seated on golden thrones on silver platforms elevated above the crowd. They really liked these images, like trying to capture the Roman Greek godly images such as Aphrodite, Dionysus. They, they really liked to embody that. Very, very literally, they wanted to embody that. You can very clearly tell that that's what they're doing here. And beside them sat their children, which is really, really sweet. Did the children have golden thrones? I, I feel obliged to ask whether or not the children got their own thrones or not. Something to see about. They arrive back in Alexandria in order to 
best prepare their this war that they're gonna wage against Octavian. They're together, they are happy, they are going forward with this war against Octavian because it's, again, mutually beneficial relationship for both of them. Basically, they were gonna have this whole, like, drawn-out war and everything, but beforehand, they were kind of, like, trying to badmouth each other to people to try to appeal to others by telling them like oh look at what this person did oh look what this person did basically kind of thing so antony declared that caesaron who was julius caesar's and cleopatra's son was caesar's real son and legal heir instead of octavian who julius caesar had declared to be his heir earlier on initially so he's like octavian isn't the real heir caesaron is the real heir kind of trying to delegitimize octavian as in his position and octavian for his part said that he had seen antony's will and told the roman people that antony was going to turn over roman possessions to cleopatra and then was going to make alexandria the roman capital rather than rome itself just kind of like trying to make the other person look really bad politics yay anyway so that was going on before the actual war and then in the year 31 bc antony and cleopatra their armies joined forces to attempt to defeat octavian's forces in a sea battle at actium which is on the west coast of greece if you don't know where that is however this was an immense defeat for Antony and Cleopatra and their armies, like bad, like spent a lot of money on this, just an embarrassing defeat, just really, really bad defeat. And then they, Antony and Cleopatra had to flee back to Egypt after this battle was over. Absolutely just crush. But Antony returned to the battlefield quite soon. And then he was told, this was a false thing he was told but he was told that cleopatra was dead and then he was just distraught upon hearing this he was like oh my god no he was just so very upset and then he died he he stabbed himself <laughs> but they were losing this war quite badly and then he was told that cleopatra was dead and then he's like oh my god and yeah then he was actually dead and then cleopatra also ended her life around this time um <laughs> not too much later and the famous story of being bitten by a snake to die which seems like an odd way to choose to do that but anyway so also the famous story of her death because i swear everything this woman does is a famous story now there's some there's some sort of fascination there with her Following Cleopatra's death in 30 BC, the Ptolemy line came to an end, since her and Antony's children were captured and brought to Rome. Egypt then became a province of the Roman Empire. There you have it, a general overview of Cleopatra's life, and fun facts you might not have known about her. Thank you for listening, I'm Natalie, and this has been Fact and Fiction. Don't forget to hit subscribe to hear future episodes and learn more about interesting people in history. This podcast is also available to be listened to on kcsufm.com.